Welcome to the Summer Camp Programming Podcast. I'm Kurt. And I'm Chris. And we are going to do this again. We had just recorded this whole thing. And, well, we didn't record. That's the problem. We just talked. We just had a conversation um, and talked ponies and everything else. But uh, I'm really excited to have Christy Landwehr with CHA on this week. And having done this once already, this this is great stuff that we're going to be talking about. You will see. <laughs> I hope this is good the second time. I don't know now, but yeah, you know, maybe right? that was practice. So the the pressure's on. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Chrissy, why don't you tell us about yourself and uh, about your role at CHA? Absolutely. So I run a Certified Horsemanship Association, and I have been in the horse industry my entire life. I'm actually very lucky. It's hobby turned career. So um, I owned a horse when I was young. I grew up in Southern California. My parents actually bought me uh, a Pony of the Americas, a POA named Popcorn, when I was 12. <laughs> and the way we went. I hung a shingle at 16, which is not the right way to do it. You should be certified as an instructor, not just hang a shingle. But, you know, it's all right. I made 10 bucks an hour back in the day and taught people how to ride horses. I got to work at Medieval Times. For those of you that know that dinner and tournament show with Knights of the Round Table, I was an official stable wench. That was my title. (laughs) Yes, put that on my pay stub every week in the memo, stable wench pay. So there I was. And that was great fun. I got to ride in the Tournament of Roses Parade in Southern California. California with that job. Um, side saddle for six and a half miles, I might add. Oh my goodness. So that was a little intense, yes, but super fun. Um, and then when I came to college out here in Colorado where I live now, I started and coached the Intercollegiate Horse Show Association team at the University of Colorado at Boulder. And I've coached both English and Western. I still teach. Um, I have horses of my own and I still teach. And then, of course, now I run certified horsemanship. So it's been a journey, but it's kind of exciting when you get paid to do something you love, right? You never work a day in your life, so they say. So true. And and I will say, for those of you who uh, don't know, being in the Rose Parade is a big deal. Yeah. Like, that's, that's, no, that's no joke. Well, I'm going to age myself here. I was in the 100th annual Tournament of Roses Parade. So if you Google that, you'll see how old I was. <laughs> I, uh, yes, but it was it was a great experience. It, it really was. We had to get down there at 5 a.m. to get ready and um, get in line behind everybody. And it was it, it's it's fun. Of course, it's on TV. So there's my, you know, two seconds of fame. There it is. <laughs> my my grandparents had a small half acre in Norco, California horses. And I was telling Chris earlier that I grew up riding horses, just Western trail ride stuff. And all the sidewalks were dirt and there were hitching posts in front of the grocery store, the fast food, the donut shop, uh, which was my grand, my grandpa's favorite place to go every morning. The old guys <laughs> would just meet up there uh, and get coffee and, and a donut. Uh, how far away were you from Norco when you grew up? Yes, I grew up in Orange County, right by Fullerton, okay. Anaheim, so right by Disneyland. Yep. So really not that far from Norco at all. As a matter of fact, I rode in that Ingalls Park long before it became covered in horse shows there, so a long time ago. But yeah, it was. It, it's great. They call it the horse town for a reason. It really is. I hate horses. I'm terrified of them. I'm a big chicken. <laughs> so no, we I... could fix that. You need to come to Denver. We mm. can fix that. <laughs> 
I'll you're be... you're broken. <laughs> we'll yeah. fix you. What aspect of your life is broken? That's right. <laughs> to be fixed. Imagine if you got over yeah. that. Like you'd just be like, "Wow, this is amazing." That, no. Then it would just be one more thing I'd try and well, my camp's too small, but it'd be one more thing yeah. I'd try and do. Like, oh, now I gotta get horses because they're cool. I'm, I don't need anything else to like. I have enough problems. <laughs> Chris so, has now, a Chris has a nature center, Christy, um, yes. and there are a lot of lot of different animals, but they're all small, small. enough that he can Not handle them. Pounds. Yeah, yeah, understood. He won't even get goats. No, keep them small. My, my fox is our biggest. She's that's it. We, we need to go any bigger than her. So, um, so do you have a lot of horses? You got any favorites? Any of your own? Yeah. So I myself right now, I kind of have a motley crew. I've got an Appaloosa, a quarter horse, a paint, and a ancient Shetland pony. Um, so I have four myself, and uh, you know, I don't really have a favorite breed. It would kind of like be if I ran the you know, Dog Association of America or something, it would be bad to have a favorite, I think. So I don't have a favorite. I like them all. I like every breed, every discipline. And I really do mean that. I've been very lucky in my career and ridden almost every breed and discipline. I've even ridden a Paso Fino. They have this really cool gate where you just kind of sit and go really, really fast. And I rode in a horse show and they have a champagne class. And you actually ride with a glass of champagne in one hand and you ride them around one hand at all the gates. And then after you're done, they see who has the most champagne left in their glass and you win if what? you have the most champagne oh. left yeah to see how smooth the gate of the horse is no isn't that kidding. cool that is cool. cool so all these cool things like you you think oh horses are horses well it's just like dogs or anything else right, right? every breed has its own peculiarities every breed has its own things that are wonderful about them and the things that are you know irritating but every breed <laughs> also has it's good people, good components and bad components, right? So not every like every quarter horse is not going to act the same. You're going to have some quarter horses that are amazing right. and some that are a little bit like not so much. Are there any aggressive, like more aggressive breeds? You know, I wouldn't Ponies. say aggressive. <laughs> That's funny. Ponies. But actually, the whole pony thing is really funny. So, so many people we talk about, buy your kid a horse. And the reason why you want to buy them a horse and not a pony, and for you pony lovers out there, I'm sorry, but this is the truth. <laughs> we cannot get on as adults and school them, right? Mm. So, the only people that ever ride them are the novice children. The best place I was ever at, it was actually Rawhide Ranch in Southern California. And they were a camp that at the time had a dwarf lady on staff who was in charge of their ponies. She rode 30 of them every week. And they were the most well-behaved ponies because she was the right size to ride them. She did just fine on them. And the kids felt the same. She could command them. And those ponies were amazing. So I think... Yeah, I think ponies are great if an adult can ride them occasionally. Otherwise, they can be a little snotty. But, you know, we don't really have, I would say, vicious. We've got hot blood. So there's some misnomers about them, like your thoroughbreds, your Arabians. Those are considered hot-blooded horses. So they, um, the misnomer is that they spook more or they're mm. more flighty. And the reality is, yeah, not so much. There's been some Arabians that I put really little tiny beginners on that work great in camp programs. And there's some retired thoroughbred off the track horses that maybe ran back in the day, but they're getting older now. They don't want to run anymore. And they're also really chill, you know, with um, beginners that have never ridden. So, again, I think every breed has its own spooky horses and not spooky horses within it. And so it all kind of balances out. 
to the glue factory with you. Yeah. <laughs> I used to tease Popcorn all the time. When my pony made me mad, I'd look at him and I'd say, Elmer! Right. <laughs> Elmer! Yeah. That's good. So tell us a little bit, or however much you want to tell us about the CHA, like what it what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. So we are um, actually partners with American Camp Association. We've been partners with them for quite a few years now. Um, where you guys met me, of course, was that international conference in Nashville this last year, but I speak at most of the national conferences or someone from CHA does. We do staff certification, and we're one of the ones that ACA recommends for your horse staff to get certified through us. We also do uh, facility accreditation. So, for example, if you're going to get your camp accredited by ACA, they would come in, see that you were already CHA accredited, and they would not need to look at your horse programming because they know that it's already been thoroughly looked at by us. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the programs. We offer great insurance discounts for facilities and for professional liability for your certified staff. So sometimes that makes the administration's heads go, oh, this is useful. (laughs) Um, So that's useful. Uh, We offer on CHA.horse, which is our website, just CHA.horse. We offer uh, manuals and DVDs and webinars and posters and things to be able to share with your staff and um, your campers. And um, for free, we have a YouTube channel. And that YouTube channel actually has over 100 safety shorts on it. Anything from how to pick a hoof of a horse correctly, how to halter and how to tie that quick release knot, how to saddle correctly. So those are all things that are part of that website. And you can go at any time and take a look at those. So you have you had a lot of experience working with camps and, and doing different things with them? or? Yes. So we actually, 52 years ago is when um, CHA was founded. And it was founded by a gentleman in Texas who actually ran a Girl Scout program. And he put an ad in the paper and he just said, all right, I need some experienced um, horse folk to come and do this part of my program for the summer. And, you know, what is the definition of experienced, right? To some of us, it's (laughs) I've been on a trail ride once. I'm now an experienced horse person. To others like me, I never say I'm experienced when I go to ride a horse at any kind of a dude ranch or whatever because I don't want killer from the back pen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want Goldilocks from the front pen. <laughs> yes. So I don't want to pay to train your horse out on the trail. So yeah. So needless to say, this poor gentleman ended up with um, some people that were not quite so experienced when they put the halters on upside down and backwards. And we're leading the horses out of the pasture. He went, oh, I got a problem, Houston. So he created our very first composite manual of horsemanship, level one through four. And in there, there's a sample written test and a sample riding test at the end of each. And as your campers progress, you can give them certificates, pins, and badges at each level, which is fun for adults as well as kids. I'll tell you, they all kind of like it. So when he created that, it really became the very first leveling system of equine staff in America. So we were called Camp Horsemanship Association, and if a camp was trying to look for summer horse help, they would go on to, um, well, it wasn't a website back then. It was calling up the national office, getting (laughs) the membership directory mailed to you, right? And they would look up, you know, who was near them that they could go ahead and hire. So we've been around for a long time, and in the 80s, the CHA got changed because we started doing some surveys and found out that 
40% of our membership still in camping, still is today, and 60% of our membership independent instructors that go around from barn to barn, or they have lesson programs in their own backyard, or they run a dude ranch or a university or something like that. So we changed CHA to Certified Horsemanship but kept the acronym. So we're still very involved in um, the camping world, and quite a few of our members run YMCAs, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, day camps, overnight camps, the gamut. I wonder if like cool horse association was one of the, uh, on, on the brainstorm list. <laughs> like, nah, let's go certified. That's right. Certified. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is we actually, we're a 501c3 not-for-profit entity. And so all of my bosses are volunteers, right? And they're our board. So my president changes every couple of years. So my boss changes. So that kind of morphs and flows kind of the direction, but the overall reason why we exist, we exist for safety in the horse world. That's why we exist. We exist because we know people change lives through safe experiences with horses. That's our why statement. You know how Nike has just do it? Right. Well, that's oh, our why statement. And it really is true. You know, um, safety, if you have safety in your horse programming, if you have safety and in everything you do, whether it's rock climbing or whatever the case may be, it's probably going to be more successful. And we've had numerous people talk about, oh, well, horses, you know, the first time I rode, right, I got bucked yeah. off or, oh, horses, first time I rode, you know, I got knocked over when it ducked underneath the limb and the branch got me. But the reality is, is that those things could probably have been mitigated. If the person that was putting you on that horse had some certification mm -hmm. and if the place that you attended had some knowledge, right? Now, obviously, the bee might still sting the horse. I mean, stuff's still going to happen, right? <laughs> They're still flight animals, so their first instinct is still to run and flee. But the overall aspect is if you have good safety, your likelihood of success is better. So ACA doesn't require them to be CHA. No, no, no. Okay. We are, they are, they strongly recommend, highly recommend sure. that they go through some sort of a certification and we are, we're the largest in North America. So we're listed. Um, there are some other certifying bodies that certify by video and some other things, but we don't believe in that. Oh, we believe yeah. in, uh -huh. we're going to come to your site and we're going to watch you. And the seasonal equestrian staff certification is probably the one that most camps would want to do. It ends up being like staff training. Um, and the certification is good for the summer and that's three days. Then we have our full blown standard English Western where you can get a level, let's say three in Western if you do that most and maybe an assistant or level one in English if you don't do that very often. And that's a five day, 40 hour certification. Ooh. And the re and then all the camps, they can actually host these certifications mm -hmm. and they can do them just as staff training or they could host them and have half the people be their staff and then half the people come from the outside. Now you're paying to get your staff trained right? because yeah. you can have those outside people pay a fee. So now your staff training is free. Mm -hmm. So that's the way that some of the camps do it, too. And we want to see, though, going back to why we don't certify by video, we want to see when you accidentally duck under the neck of the tied horse so that we can say, why would you do that? What if the bee <laughs> just stung him on the butt and now he's smashing you against what he's tied to? Right, right? right. So we want to see them make those really, especially people that have been around horses a long time. They tend to make the most mistakes, to be honest with you, because they're so incredibly comfortable. Right. And we never want to get that comfortable or allow our staff to get that comfortable. You should always be on the lookout because mm -hmm. stuff can happen. You should always be aware. Now, offering horse program obviously can be very expensive, right? It's not like your drama program where it, it doesn't cost anything. What benefits 
are there in having a horse program, you know, for, for a camp that's like maybe thinking about it and thinking about their budget and that type of thing? You know, I think some of the biggest benefits um, is you can do it as an add-on, and I don't think people think about that, right? I know me as a mom, when I send my – I have two boys, and when we are trying to pick a camp for them for the summer and where they want to go, they'll always be, oh, and mountain biking costs this extra money, and, you know, Mm. whatever costs this extra money. And it's okay because the base fee is the base fee, and then if they want to do something extra – and I think that horse programming, you can certainly do that. So that's a benefit on the financial side to kind of help cover the cost of feeding things but the benefits of having it there it is a draw and you know it used to be just for young girls now I think it's for boys too it is a draw of riding a horse and getting to actually partner with an animal that's that big there's something about that and the responsibility especially some of these camps that you might actually have them bond with a certain horse for the whole week if you have programming more than just one day they're going to really get to know that animal. They're going to be able to do signs of health and sickness and know, you know, when the horse maybe isn't going to be able to work that day. Maybe it has colic. Colic is the number one killer of horses. It's basically a stomach ache because horses can't throw up. And so a sign of colic would be extreme rolling um, because their stomach hurts. So they're rolling to try to get rid of that pain. And the problem is Mm. if they roll too much, they can do what's called twist a gut. And when a gut is twisted in a horse, there's no way to fix it but colic surgery. That costs a whole lot of money. So most you know, people aren't going to do that. So having staff or having even their campers know how to do those things, wow, right? How fun to have them kind of learn those things. And so the horses really are, we call them an attractive nuisance, right? Because they... <laughs> You you want to be a part of them. And when you see them, you want to go pet them. So we're always trying to teach our members, you know, have the horses somewhere where people can see them when they first drive in the camp because they're really fun and beautiful out in a pasture or whatever. But make sure they can't immediately go over and put their hand on their nose because guess right. where the horse does not want to be touched? Right. Uh-huh. On the nose. And guess where everyone wants to touch it? Uh-huh. On the nose. And horses. <laughs> it's soft. Yeah. It's so long. It's, well, <laughs> And the problem is, too, when they see, horses see um, 180 degrees on either side of them. They can't see directly in front of them, and Mm. they can't see directly behind them because of where their eyes are located. So now you're coming up at them with your hand and putting it on their nose, and they're like, what are you doing? I can't even barely see you. Well, what is this? So, you know, just kind of teaching and educating and, you know, having that all be a part of what you do. But, yeah, I think there's a lot of money to be made, actually, in the horse program, and you can keep your costs down if you're smart. Well, also that, I mean, we talk about, Chris, we talk about how camp is one of those experiences that yep. these kids come up and, and they get to try new things that they wouldn't yes. normally be able to. Did you ever get the chance to be around a horse when you were a kid? I mean, most kids don't. Just a camp. Yeah, yeah just a camp. Yeah. Well, and, guess how uh, I first learned to be on a horse. Girl is that Scout right? Camp. Girl yeah. Scout camp. That was my very first time ever on a horse. And then I came home, mommy, 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 I want riding lessons. The rest is history. <laughs> Changed your life, didn't it? Uh-huh. Rest is history. So absolutely, I think that that, how else are you going to get, especially now, well, what do they say? We're three generations removed from the farm, right? Mm-hmm. So we don't have a grandpa now that has horses and cattle. That doesn't exist right. like it used yeah. to for most people, right? So we are so urban now and so suburban that I think having a little bit of rural in our life when we go to camp and having horses and, and other animals is just a great idea. Just a side note, you didn't name either of your boys Elmer, did you? <laughs> no. Okay. I didn't name them Calcan either. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just checking. That's funny. <laughs> the- 
Is there, I mean, obviously it can't be super easy to have horses. What do you, what do you think the, some of the hard things are about having a horse program? Yes, I think the biggest thing is, you know, you have to look and kind of say, can we accommodate it space-wise? Um, if you have access to trail or there's actually trail on your property, then it's kind of a no-brainer, right? That's really easy. Then the trails are accessible to horses and they're not going to have to cross major roads to get to them. You certainly don't want to have to put horses in a horse trailer and go somewhere unless you're really a full-blown horse program and you have access to big stock trailers and things. So that's a lot of maintenance and wear and tear on your staff and horses and everything. So knowing what you have, if you only want to be an arena program and you never want the horses or the camp out of the arena again fine but the group environment is really fun at camp so you want at least eight up so now you're going to have eight people up on horses well you need a certain number of linear square feet to do that so we say in our standards for example in between 100 and 200 um, sorry, 100 by 200 arena is truly the minimum size that you want for a really yeah. good group camp program. Well, now you got to find a space for that, right? Mm -hmm. Where are we going to put that? Then you need the space for the tack room and the hay room. And of course, where are you going to stall the horses? Are you putting them out to pasture? Do you have pasture? If not, um, are you going to keep them in stalls? If they're in stalls, are you going to give them turnout when they're not being ridden? Because they can't be just in a 12 by 12 stall all the time. So there's a lot of things you have to think about, I think, space-wise. And then sure there's finances involved i mean you've got to feed them hay unless you're you know really lush acreage and hay costs money i mean my hay here in colorado has ranged everything from three dollars a bale to over fifteen dollars a bale depending oh, wow. on how much rain we get in a year uh -huh. crazy so that cost of course is going to fluctuate year by year so you have to be ready to absorb that cost um, and kind of understand that. And then do you have the staff or the staff training available? And of course, through CHA you do. So yes, you would have the staff training available. And then also, do you have access to those types of horses? Are you going to lease them? Or are you going to full on have them, buy them and keep them all year long? What does that look like? Can you do other programming during the year like Christmas camps, fall camp, spring camp, adult riding programs, homeschool lesson programs? You know, how are you going to keep those horses busy all year to justify the cost? I didn't even think about homeschool programs. That's a great idea. Oh, that'd be huge in homeschooling programs. Yeah, and our curriculum, the homeschooling moms love it because it's actually been approved. Mm -hmm. So, And there's a lot of science in horses. There's a lot of math, yeah. how you feed them. I mean, there really is a lot of all the subjects you know, in, in horses. Right. Cool. Obviously, size, You know, having the space is an issue you know you had to have enough space like chris's camp couldn't possibly do it oh no. it just doesn't There's have no enough space um but what other things they would maybe... not fit in the nature center <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> like which camps shouldn't even think about a horse program besides yeah. one to have limited space well, like your really, really urban ones, probably, right, that are really in downtown, right, areas, because uh -huh. those are a little harder. Now, I did work for a while at an at-risk youth camp here called the Urban Farm, and we saw the skyscrapers in the distance. But when the old oh. Stapleton Airport closed down and they opened up the new Denver International Airport out east, which we call Kansas because it's really <laughs> out east, um, that old Stapleton Airport was right by a jail, actually, and was right by some industrial park, and they knew that they could never really sell it for residential purposes. So they actually donated this 40 acres of land to the urban farm to build just that, an urban farm. Nice. So they took oh. the 40 acres, they built an indoor arena there because, of course, here in Colorado, we need climate controlled. Um, it's not oh. a heated indoor, but at least it's out of the snow and rain. And then they have a community garden there. Um, they've got a really large 4-H club.
club with sheep and goats and they're part of CHA too. All their staff is certified and they are just a really great program. Like where again, it comes down to space. Yes, they're an urban camp, but they had enough space donated to them that they could actually do the horse programming. So, um, and then just knowing, you know, access to horses, access to tack, access to it working in your day to day. You've got to feed them twice a day. You've got to have staff to do that. You've got okay. to make sure that they're going to clean the stalls, clean that you have the equipment. You got to need to kind of have to have a tractor, got to move bales of hay around, have to be able to strip out stalls, strip out the pasture, drag the arena, um, go out on the trails and saw the big tree when it falls. Do you have a chainsaw to do that? So there is definitely some equipment and things that are needed besides just the horses and the saddles. You got to have a junior wrangler who doesn't mind scooping up poop. That's yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> you do you have to have staff that's willing to work right definitely yeah, yeah not easy now there i know there's camps out there that do have horses and and the horse program and stuff do you have like tips that you've learned through the years that that would help them out maybe some ideas for them you know what i think that the lessons really um are super fun to do, especially for groups, is games. And it mm -hmm. doesn't really seem to matter the age of the kids or even if you have adult camps, everyone likes to play games. So some of them can include like red light, green light, like Simon Says is a really fun one. Um, you can actually do Gymkhana games like traditional barrel racing where you set up the three barrels. And again, you don't do this at the gallop. You do it at the walk. <laughs> mm -hmm. So the professional barrel racers are going to go 15 seconds. You know, your campers might go a minute and a half. But that's really okay. So you're teaching them how to turn and steer and use their natural aids. The four natural aids when we ride are our seat, our legs, our hands, and our voice. So now we're using our aids to get around the barrels. You might set up poles like they do in pole bending. And again, you're weaving cones or weaving poles. You can set set up um, like a little obstacle course. So kind of like dog agility but with horses that you could do in hand to start. So you have the horse walk over a tarp. Then you have the horse walk over some logs on the ground. And you do do all this in hand and then you put the campers up on the horse and you do it up top and for all of these different types of games i think the biggest thing to remember is desensitizing your horses with your staff ahead of time before the campers come and the one that i want to talk about where this can become an incident waiting to happen is the water race you fill up much like i did with the pasofinos i told you about in the glass of champagne you don't use champagne though with the under 21 folk you use water <laughs> And it's been gone five times. Where did he go? Yeah. <laughs> Fill me up again. Pick up. Yes. So you take your water and you ride the horses with one hand through the obstacle course. And then whoever has enough water at the end wins, right? So whoever is left with the most water. Now, the problem when this becomes challenging, really hot day, really cold water, all down the horse's neck. Guess where the horse is going to go if that happens? To the side, <laughs> right? So you just want to make sure that you desensitize ahead of time and make sure those horses don't mind water on purpose being poured down their neck. Do you, is that what you do? Do you just pour it on the horse to desensitize them? Or? Yeah. So you, again, you start off on the ground. So you just have the horse in hand, right, with a halter and a lead rope. And then you just take the water and you just very gently pour it on their neck on either side because you never know what side the kid's going to hold the cup, right? Mm. So mm. on either side. And then after they get used to it on the ground and they don't jump anymore and they really don't care, then you get up on them and you do the same thing. And when they don't care about it, then you go, okay, this one's ready to go. And then that one can be in your program for the water race. Cool. And if the kids can't follow instructions, they go to rodeo clown camp. <laughs> <laughs> That's super fun. 
Right. That would be okay, actually. But definitely don't don't have them do um, my boys when they were young. You know, mutton busting, where you put them on a sheet. Yes. So we were at the Arapahoe County Fair, and I go, all right. I get my youngest son up there. I'm like, okay, we can do this. I'm giving him the pep talk. It's just going to be a little owie when you fall, but not super owie. <laughs> just a little owie. It's going to be okay. It's going to be fun. you got to hold on as tight as you can. Go. And then the announcer goes, and next up we have Kyle Landwehr, and he's – Two and a half years old. Oh, <laughs> and the parents look at me and they go, "What are you doing?" And I go, "He's button bust." He's He'll be fine. He'll be totally fine. So he goes out there to shirt up the the you know sheep. He falls and the sheep um bless its heart, but it stepped on his belly and oh. they put you in a helmet. They she in like this vest but it got him right where the vest kind of met the top of his jeans so it actually got a little blood on him on his stomach and he's like mommy big owie and i felt really bad <laughs> all good oh. he's, he's now 12 and doing just fine does so he remember that at all no he doesn't remember yeah. but i show yeah. him the video every now and then and he laughs at me <laughs> It's family video time. That's, right. <laughs> That's the things we do. <laughs> so, what about staff? What what do you what do you look for to staff a program like this? I'm going to start first of all with human staff, and then we're going to talk about horse staff because there you got two staff here with this deal, and it's very important to kind of manage them both. So, on human staff side. Boy, it would really help if you would have one consistent person that, let's say, came back to camp year after year that was your horsemanship director. Mm. And this person is the one that, well, knows horses, right? And I don't like saying horse people because I don't want to think, I don't know if rock climbing people call themselves rock climbing people. But I think <laughs> when we call ourselves a horse person, we kind of alienate. But a person that really does know the ins and outs and understands when a horse maybe can't be in the program that day because they just aren't feeling up to it. Or horse rider combo. I think that's one of the scariest things we do as riding instructors is knowing which rider to put on what horse. And that's not just based on size. That's based on you know confirmation of the horse. If the horse has an incredibly long back, a big person is actually going to hurt the horse even if the horse weighs 1,500 pounds because they're going to get more sway backed over time. Whereas if they're short coupled and have a very short back but wide, and let's say they're only, you know, 14 and a half, 15 hands high and a hand is four inches, so it's not a super huge horse, they can still accommodate a big camper with no problem because of how they're built. So having that horse person on staff that really understands those kinds of nuances is great. And then I think that the staff having the passion for the animal and having the passion to be outside and having the passion to kind of get a little bit hot and sweaty, sticky, deal with flies, deal with, right? I mean, this is mm -hmm. all kind of part of the horse program. So you don't want those staff that don't want to break a nail. You got to have the ones that are willing to break the nail. Yeah, which I think comes into play a little bit. And then as far as the horses go, you know, I was uh, chatting the other day. We just found out about this one. There's no such thing as free on Craigslist that works out in the world of horses normally. But there was just a free horse that the Tevis Cup, which is this huge 100-mile endurance race in Southern California, or probably a little bit more Northern California, actually. And this young lady, 18 years old, had been riding her whole life, had shown endurance for a long time. So it's not like she was new. She got this free horse on Craigslist, trained it for a year, because, of course, it takes a lot of time to put those kinds of miles on a horse to get them good. It won the event. So That's amazing. Every now and then, I guess you can get something free on Craigslist. But for the most part, you don't want to get your <laughs> horses donated to your camp. You know, a donated horse is always like, well, why? Why are you donating yeah. it? 
So when you're getting these horses, let's say you're going to an outfitter and you're going to lease them. Just make sure that they have notes on the horses. So they know, even if it's a grade horse and it isn't registered, let's say, with American Quarter Horse or whomever, they still know um, roughly how old it is by checking its teeth or having a vet look, you know, roughly. Um, and it has a track record of health and sickness over the years. Is it prone to colic? Is it prone to stumbling, tripping and falling? Is it prone to where you have to give it a lot of uh, horse aspirin, which is called butte? Or is it fine? Are its teeth getting to the point where you've got to give it a lot of equine senior? Or is it still going to be okay on just hay and pasture? You know, what is the expense of this animal? Um, has it had any incidents? What are the incidents? Was the incident just, oh, it was stamping at a fly and it accidentally got a person's foot? You know, that might be right. something versus, oh, it bucked a kid off. Okay. <laughs> we need to know these things, right? So having an outfitter that has lease notes is great. Um, and if you. Carfax for horses. Yes. <laughs> yes. I would agree very much so. And the same thing with donors. You know, if you are going to get um, horses donated to you, know what they're going what's going on have written notes on those horses so that heaven forbid if you're in a court of law and they pull you in there you're going to have some notes to back you up that right. says oh look a horse does not have a history of any of this this was some random thing that happened and remember you're not going to get into trouble if a bee stings a horse and the horse you know does something that hurts the camper of course it's going to be sad for the camper sad for the parents those kinds of things but that's the inherent risk of riding horses right sure. just like the inherent risk of rock climbing is you might fall right? Occasionally you might have, you know, those, those are inherent risk things. But if you know your staff of humans understand horse behavior and can truly be there for your herd and your campers, and then you know that your horses have been there, done that, and are pretty settled in their ways. Um, I don't like the word bomb proof. I think that horses are flight animals. And if I light a bomb by any horse, it's going to run off, right. going to do something. But you really do have your calmer ones that have been around the block and your ones that are a little bit more flighty. So if you're a beginner program, just use the ones that have more woe than go. And if you're an advanced program, you can pull out the Porsches and the Ferraris, you know, as far as the horses are concerned, the ones that you just have to breathe in and they go, right? Because those are fun to ride, but only if you really know what you're doing. And and they're not free because, you know, the free yeah. Porsches that are given away, yeah. not the no best cars usually. True. <laughs> I don't know what kind of Craigslist you are. I don't do any free portions either. No, <laughs> come on. No, free kittens. I got free um, old school TVs on my Craigslist. <laughs> all possibilities. Don't Porsche your free horse. Dirt. <laughs> free yeah. dirt. That's right. Free manure. So, I have lots of that. You want free manure? That, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now, I, you were talking a little bit about English writing and Western. What What is the difference? And, and do you see... Like, do camps offer more of one or the other? Yes. Yeah, so Western riding is your good old cowboy Westerns on TV, right? Bonanza and all those films, okay? <laughs> Anything with John Wayne in it, that's Western riding, right? It has the saddle horn. It has those types of things. English riding is going to be, well, England. It's going to be your fox hunting, right? Your, your traditional um, going over and Aww. jumping jumps cross country. Your those, those types of things. That's English. Um, I teach myself this is just a christy thing everyone english first 
And the reason why I do that is, quite frankly, I think it's harder. I think it yeah. requires more balance, more leg strength. You don't have all that leather kind of holding you in place. And then when I transition them to Western, it's really easy for them. When I take my Western riders and transition them to English, it takes a few times <laughs> <laughs> until they get the hang of it, for sure. So that's just my personal opinion. But I would say most camps do Western. And I think the reason for that is um, most of the horses that they're getting probably are more used to that type of tack. That's what they've been accustomed to, like your dude string horses and things like that. A little bit more Western. But east of the Mississippi River and um, west of the Mississippi River also dictates a lot about saddles. <laughs> Yeah. Really does. So east of the Mississippi River, up in New England and stuff, you got a lot of English camps, quite a few that do nothing mm -hmm. but English. And they teach jumping um, outside of the arena, which is called cross country and then in the arena. And they do all those types of things. So, But I would say predominantly like in CHA, for example, where 50% English, 50% Western, and then in our 40% that are with camping, about 65% of them are Western and the rest are English. Oh. I, just, I got a little sad when you talked about fox hunting. I'm like, oh. Well, you know fox. what? So, well, <laughs> I can go down that road for a second. So here in um, Colorado, we don't actually go fox hunting. We go coyote hunting because oh, we have more coyotes out here. But I'll tell you, we never kill them. Let me tell you why. The foxes and the coyotes are too wily. They know exactly where the horses can and cannot go. And they will mm. duck underneath a private fence where we're not allowed to ride and look at us <laughs> and just stare at us. Wow. And the hounds are going all crazy and barking and the horses mm -hmm. are all excited and the fox or the coyote's like, ha ha. So in reality, we really just want to run around and jump jumps with a bunch of dogs. Mm -hmm. We don't really want to catch anything. <laughs> wow, that, it sounds exciting smart. though. Yeah, the, the it is super fun. most exciting thing that... I did when I was riding when I was younger was do a poker ride or from house to house. Oh, yeah. Those are fun, too, actually. you got to have five stops, right, for your hand in poker. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> they were fun. <laughs> so um, you talked about games and, and programming and that type of thing. Are there any other, like, little programs that you find are popular or maybe even unique that you think are neat? You know, I think that when you do stuff that resonates with a pastime in history with the horses, you know, horses just a little bit over 100 years ago were our transportation. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's all we had. So in just a really short amount of time, right, cars took over and locomotives and motorization and everything else. Well, for a long time, right, the horses were transportation. So I say for the boys and the girls doing things like a medieval day, and I'm going to go back to my medieval times experience here, but <laughs> having them dress up like knights of the round table, right, and going ahead and doing jousting at the walk with some sort of a styrofoam lance that, again, you've desensitized your horse to ahead of time. But I think that that is just a super fun thing. Um, having them do the whole kind of cowboy reenactment and learning how to rope. Roping, mm. I am really bad at it. It's really hard to do. But learning how to rope and being able to do um, you know, those types of things, I think is just also super fun. And you can start with a bunch of these things on the ground with the horse and then move up to actually riding them. So it doesn't have to be just immediately, we're going to rope on horseback. Oh, no, start with a hay bale with one of those plastic cow heads put in it and learn how to rope on the ground and then move up into the standstill, same plastic cow head, and then move up. And now we're going to walk by it and try to rope it now we're going to trot by it and try to rope it things like that nice yeah do you, you 
not teaching them to be a stable wench, though. That's not part of the <laughs> curriculum. <laughs> no, okay. My stable wench consisted of, uh, all right, groom and saddle these horses and bring them down for the games. Okay, now go feed them. Goodbye. <laughs> That's your job. That, that was in That's Buena right. Park, wasn't it? It was in Buena Park, right by Knott's Berry Farm. Yes. In the Museum. I remember yes. going, and uh, we, we were like, like they choose who's going to be the winner each night, right? Oh, absolutely. It's yeah. totally yeah, staged. Oh, and yeah. I was like, but why do we have to out. sit here? My guy is out first. Uh, yeah. What's going on? He's doing horrible. I'm, yeah. I'm going to the pirate dinner next. <laughs> okay, so you brought this up, you guys. I have a story. So um, I they, they knew I knew how to ride. So mm. they have the guards of the castle. I don't know if it was when you went, but they have like a quadrille where four people go out and they do a little, you know, walk track canter and they mm-hmm. kind of move like drill riding, right? You kind of mm-hmm. move in and out yep. of each other, whatever. Well, one of the guys didn't show up on time. So they go, Christy, you know how to ride. Get on there and be a guard of the castle. And I knew the routine because they always had us trained up as a just in case. Okay. Well, the guy who didn't show up was six foot six and 260 pounds. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now I'm tall. I'm 5'10, but I'm not 260 pounds. Okay. Right. So I had to wear this gigantic outfit. So my helmet that had this little nose piece did not fit very well and I couldn't make it tighter right before. So I had to keep my head so still. Well, pretty soon my <laughs> nose piece is over by my ear. Oh. And so my boss, his name is Victor. He's riding in the thing with me. He comes cantering by me. He goes, fix your hat. So I go by him again. I go, I can't go by him again. Fix it now. Go by him one more time. It's going to fall off. Fix it now. So in the middle of the whole show, I go to fix my hat. Guess what falls? It falls off. My hair at the time was down to my middle of my back and was bright blonde and really thick and curly. And it came spilling out everywhere. (laughs) So the MC goes, my lords and ladies, it appears that a woman has snuck into the garden. Ah, uh, nice, nice. Uh-huh. And it was K-Rock it was Night. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that was this whole thing. And, of course, K-Rock Night, all the rock and roll, long-haired, yep. Hessian guys, whatever. The whole thing was really funny. So I still get teased about that. That's great. They should have put that in the program from then on. They're like, <laughs> yeah, hey, this is great. But for fun. Uh, right. They were all eating their turkey legs. They, they didn't know what was going they on. Didn't <laughs> they didn't care. <laughs> That's fun. That was great. Uh, you, even for the second time around, that was great. Yes, there's always new stories. There really I is. I got more. Do you want to try for a time three? I, I, got right. more. I, get on, I might get on a horse now. I don't know. <laughs> we're wearing them down. That I convinced you. That's good. Um, is there anything that you want to add, Christy? And where can people get a hold of you? Yes. So for anybody who wants to, um, just go to CHA.horse or you can look up CHAinstructors.com. That's our online database of all of our um, camps and stables and staff that are certified with us across the U.S. and Canada. Um, So you can go there and look up people. And I am under the staff page. You can also find me on Facebook. Just look up Christy Landwehr and I'm on there as well. So however you want to reach out and I'd love to talk to anybody. Thank you so much for for doing this again with us. Uh, I, I was flabbergasted when I saw that the uh, recording was not was not on. And uh, that is part of everything, though, right? I mean, we're human; we make mistakes. We it's make so no mistakes. big deal. And you know what? Now we have some new stories. So now there you go. That's right. That's true. <laughs> stories that yeah we hadn't heard the first time. So thank you so much. Uh, and and all these you were talking about, there's a you know we're gonna have these in the show notes. A lot of links yep. to different resources, um, things that uh, can be purchased through CHA, and also all the great YouTube content that you have, right? 
Yes, so okay. cha.horse for all the programming information you might want for your staff, your camp, learning how to get site accredited, learning how to host a clinic with us, learning how to get your staff certified, obviously buying materials for your campers or your staff, and then also um, finding you know somebody near you that might already be utilizing CHA and wanting to have a conversation with them. Just go to our online database at chainstructors.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Christy. Thank you. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, we had a lot of fun with Christy on here. She's got some great stories. And in fact, we had to edit out some of the stories, some of her stories, some of our stories, because we try to keep these episodes to a half hour and we are well over that. Uh, but there was just so much to talk about and she's got so much information. It, it was just great. I did want to let you know that you may have questions. If you're starting a horse program or if you have one currently, you may have questions for Christy. And of course, you can reach out to her through cha.horse, uh, the website. But also, she's going to be one of our speakers at Summer Camp Con. And like with all the sessions, we have live Q&As with the speakers right after. And you can ask her questions at that time as well. Also, she was kind enough to offer 15% off the retail pricing of anything in their online store. You just need to use the coupon code SCPP, which is, stands for Summer Camp Programming Podcast. So SCPP. And we want to thank her very much for that. Okay, so right. next week we are going to talk about Halloween and, and things that maybe uh, you want to do at camp, you know, for event-wise, maybe bring in a little money. Camps are always talking about. Uh, Mix it up. Yeah, wanting to do other things throughout the year and off-season and stuff like that. So we got a few ideas. It'll be good. It'll be fun. And I'm sure that Chris will bring up Pinterest again. I'm 100% positive, actually. <laughs> Maybe. I'm Just ready to maybe. bet my life savings all twenty-two dollars uh, that he's going to <laughs> talk about Pinterest. Let's see. Did we record that one already? Because I might take that bet. Did it get recorded? You know it did. Did we press the button? <laughs> That's right. That's the question. That's the question. So, oh, too All right. Well. From around the campfire, this has been Chris and Kurt. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> <laughs>